may be seated. It's wonderful to share in that time of worship. Rich lyrics, powerful words that testify to us of the glory of God, His praiseworthiness, the gift of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord, His sacrifice. Indeed, He is worthy, worthy to be praised. Locate in your Bibles this morning the Old Testament book of Proverbs and the 31st chapter, Proverbs chapter 31. In just a moment, I'm going to read one line from Proverbs chapter 31, and that is the first line of verse 28, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us this morning as we turn to your word, that you would teach us, that you would train us, that you would equip us for all that glorifies you, all that honors you. I pray particularly, Lord God, for those who are wives and mothers among us, those who are preparing to be wives and mothers, and those who you have, for now, in the present, called to singleness. For women and for men, for everyone who is here today and everyone who is watching on the live stream, because your word is profitable for us all. Open our eyes to see that. Open our ears to hear that. Open our hearts to respond to that. And help us in all ways, in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes when Mother's Day comes around, I simply greet people with a happy Mother's Day. And we pray for the mothers in the church, and I continue with whatever series I'm presently preaching in. And who knows, there may be some of you that your estimation of me has decreased slightly for giving in to the mores of the culture on, on this day for um, speaking uh, about a, a sort of typical Mother's Day sermon. Well, um, I, I believe that God, His Word applies always. It's from the Scriptures, not pandering to anyone or anything, but I thought after such a year as we have had, and it has been a year today since our gatherings have been interrupted. And some of our mothers as a church we have not seen since then in this room. And some of our mothers in life we have seen a lot less of than we would like over the past year. That I... I thought it was appropriate that we turn our attention to mothers particularly and to see what God's Word might have to say to bless and encourage them. Over the past year, we've had 
um, uh, so, so many uh, additions as well to the church in, um, uh, in mothers and in children. And the general hum of noise at the back of the room this morning is a lovely reminder of that. Please, mothers who are frantically seeking to calm your children at various points, never feel judged or self-conscious about that. You are loved, your children are loved, and the noise is a reminder to us of the good gift of God in your children. They are a blessing. Now I know in the moment you might not be feeling the blessing part <laughs> yourself, but they are. And we celebrate them with you. And we celebrate you for being godly mothers, good mothers. It's important because I see this morning uh, those who actually have small children with you. Each of you professes faith in Jesus Christ. And so I, I know that you are, because you are trusting in Jesus, not because of anything inherent to yourself, you are a godly woman because you are declared righteous by grace through faith in Jesus Christ in the presence of the Lord. And we affirm your beauty and your dignity before God in Jesus this morning. And we affirm the vital, divinely ordained role that you have as mothers. A beautiful role. An honorable role. A noble role that God has given to each of you. Those who are in the room, and I'm also aware of mothers who are dear to our hearts as a church and as individuals who are watching even now. We do miss you. And I want you to be assured that we're thankful for you. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Why? Why do the children of whatever woman we're talking about in this passage call their mother blessed? Why later in the day, though all of my life it's, it's, it's something we have to fit into the, um, the, the scheme of pastoral life and, and ministry, um, will I make sure that I call my mother later and I speak with her and I encourage her, even though this day isn't my culture's day of, um, uh, of recognizing mothers, it has become that day. Why will I seek to bless her? Why do I seek to bless her with every opportunity or occasion that presents itself? Why do I hope that my life is a testimony of blessing upon my mother? Why should you, whatever the relationship you may feel toward your mother or have to, toward your mother, nonetheless give God praise for your mother. How can you be a mother that one day raises up children that will say you are blessed? And they don't have to worry about 
you know, um, uh, I don't have the greatest of relationships with my mom, or, uh, you know, th- th- she, she wasn't a good mom, she wasn't a devoted mom, I just, we don't have anything to do with each other. How can you be the kind of woman that one day they look back and they say, my mother was with me, my mother loved me, my mother cared for me, my mother loved the Lord God. And I bless her memory today. Now, some of you guys, you're sat back and you're saying, oh, it's a Mother's Day sermon. This is for the ladies. Come on, guys. Come on. You know it's coming later in the sermon. Every time I have a message about the ladies, I turn my attention to the guys for a moment, right? And why? Because get this. This passage of Scripture was not written to the ladies. It was written to the men. So it's for you too. Because it says in verse 1 of chapter 31, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle, it's this man who's talking, but wait, it's an oracle that his mother taught him. A prophetic utterance. A poetic Divinely inspired utterance for her son. So men, hear the words of this mother today and learn. Why do her children rise up and call her blessed? Verses 10 through 31 tell us the answer. I separate verses 10 through 31 simply because each line of this text, starting with verse 10, begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It is an acrostic poem. From verse 10 to verse 31, so it is a unique and distinct segment. Still a part of what the, the woman is teaching to her son, but nonetheless separated from that as an A to Z of excellent womanhood. Or, since it's Hebrew, Aleph to Tav. You think of an A to Z. An A to Z is a, a map book, right? So you get an A to Z of London. Uh, I don't know if people tend to use those a lot now. Most of you are actually, I have no idea what you're on about. Google Maps is uh, the only thing I'm familiar with. But seriously, you go back to the dark corners of W.H. Smith. It's probably been a decade since you've, you've visited that haunt. But you, you go back into, and you dust away the cobwebs on the shelf. There's, there's a row of books that say A to Z. Maybe because you want to save data, you go and get one for whatever city you go and holiday in because, you know, you can't be messing about with poor signals and all of that. So you go and check out the maps, see what items of significance are there and all of that. And A to Z is a guide for finding your way around. Women, this is an A to Z of fine womanhood, of excellent womanhood. If you listen to it, it will help you navigate the struggles and stresses of being a wife, being a mother, even women who are not married, women who do not have children, women who may 
not be married or have children because you don't believe that's God's plan for you, or maybe you do want it to be God's plan for you, but it's not His plan for you. This is nonetheless a beautiful example of womanhood, quite apart from her relationships. So please, listen. A to Z, Aleph to Tav. It is a tribute to good mothers and wives, a celebration of womanhood at its finest. It provides an example for all women, whether mothers or wives or some combination or not at all. It is a description of an ideal woman for single guys because there's a lot of guys out there who I think are looking more for a page 3 girl than a Proverbs 31 woman. You're looking in the wrong place. This is what you need to be looking at. Why do her children rise up and call her blessed? I've asked that a few times, and now I shall answer from the text. Because of who she is. They rise up and call her blessed because of who she is. Now, some people would, would say when answering you know, who she is, they would just simply start with, she is a wife. But the reality is women do not find their definition, their meaning, their purpose in being a wife. Read the New Testament. Read the words of the Apostle Paul on singleness. That's not always the plan. Read about the fine single women throughout Scripture. You have to find meaning and purpose in something else. You have to be defined by something else other than your marital status. Because if you're only defined by your marital status, then when you're single, you'll never be satisfied. The marital status of this woman is a part of who she is. She is a wife. But it's not simply that she is a wife. It is that she is a wife of noble character. Therefore, we do not look at her marital status, but we look at her heart status. She is a wife of noble character. Verse 10 says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her. To be trustworthy. To be trustworthy by the man who knows you best. By the man you live with and the man who lives with you. To have that characteristic that he trusts you. That's a woman of noble character. She is not trustworthy because she is married. I think there's a good chance that she's married because she's trustworthy. This is someone who's looking for an excellent wife. An excellent wife who can find. Women who would be married, be trustworthy. Men who would be married, look for someone who's trustworthy. Women who are married, be trustworthy. Men who are married, nurture your wife, cultivate in her 
the characteristics of trustworthiness. Sow the seed of trust in her, and she will be trustworthy. It says in verse 28, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also. And he praises her. And what, do, what, what, what does he say? Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. And what we have in there is something that's, that's quite subtle, but significant. It's poetically beautiful. He, he says, many women have done excellently, simply looking at, at the works of women. But he looks at the woman he is married at. Many women have done excellently, but your works, no, but you surpass them all. Their works are excellent. You, a woman, a wife, are excellent. Do you see the distinction? And an excellent wife and an excellent woman will do excellent things by the power of God. She is a wife of noble character, but further we see that she is a devoted mother. Again, she does not find her meaning, her purpose, her defining characteristic in motherhood. Since this woman has children, she is a mother. She's not hiding from that. She's not escaping that. But I caveat that because there are women who are single and without children. There are women who are married and without children. There are women who are married and will not, in the mysterious providence of God, have children. It would be an, a, a gross injustice for me to say to such women anything insinuating that they are inferior or less than because they do not have children or cannot have children. Scripture is filled to the sister who is in that situation this morning. Scripture is filled with difficult pregnancies, with miscarriages, with women who didn't even get that far. And there's some of the godliest women that we read of in Scripture. There's, there, there's some of the most faithful women that we read in Scripture. You're defined by so much more than being a mother. You have to know that. You have to believe that. But those of you who are mothers, I hope to God you're devoted. If you're a mother, you better be. And if you're not, you can still be devoted. You must still be devoted. De 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 being devoted means that you might not have biological children, but you can have spiritual children. What does that mean? Well, I mean, it's, don't read too much into it. Um, it. It's as simple as making disciples, investing yourself more in the kingdom, pouring yourself into people, um, uh, you know, children, yes, infants, yes. Mums who have their hands full and need a break. Yes. Other women. Teenage women. 
adult women, elderly women. Love them, care for them, be devoted to them. But my friends, those of you who are mothers, don't be slacking in your motherhood. Don't hide from your motherhood. Don't be ashamed of your motherhood. Don't be embarrassed by your motherhood. When the child is making noise, not least when they're making noise in a place that you would hope is quiet or expect to be quiet, don't listen. We're not telling you anything about that. We're not saying anything about that. If someone is, you can, you can point them to me or, or you can point me to them and we'll have a chat about that. But um, a, a lot of times I think people take a burden upon themselves. They think people, I, I'm speaking for our congregation, I know there are places that you could go where that's not the truth, but I, I believe I can speak for my brothers and my sisters here that, that we're not judging you at all, we're celebrating you. And if you're not, check yourself. Because that noise is life. That noise is someone that that, that, that you have an opportunity to cultivate um, uh, godly disciplines in. To teach. To train. When I'm talking about that, God sends, a, sends means to test us. <laughs> to make sure you got the message. Remember, you were there too one day. And some of us, in various ways of our life, we might not be making noise and we might be immature in that way, but some of us are still that in our hearts, in our spiritual lives. All of us have some growing up to do. So let's deal with it a little more maturely. And let's bless our mothers today. And mothers, know that you are blessed as you are mothers that you have the, the wonderful and glorious responsibility of caring for a new generation, of perpetuating the human race. Think about that. Without you, we would be extinct. It's just a fact. Without you, the people in this church would all grow old, would all die, and the building would crumble and would sit empty because there's no new life flowing through it. Without you, we would have no social stability because God created a man and a woman, male and female, one man, one woman, brought them together for one life to have children. And to provide a stable environment for the faithful stewarding of the universe. He's entrusted you with part of that. You have a noble task. So be trustworthy and be devoted. Such a woman is described in the text in terms of valuable jewels. She's more precious than jewels. And... and, and, and that is to say, the gemstones that you see in the jewelry shop, you can take the most expensive one, all of the, the ones that aren't out there, the ones you don't see, the ones that are in the vault someplace in Hatton Garden. 
that are there and for some reason they'll always be there because they're so valuable and no one wants anyone to see them, but they have them. That stuff, a trustworthy and devoted woman is more valuable than them. And remember that men too, when you're when single men, when you're looking, remember that married men, when when, when you take your wife for granted. Remember that children, when you take your mother for granted, she is more valuable than precious gems. Treasure her. But we must move on. They rise up and call her blessed because of who she is. Yes, all of that. She's a wife of noble character. She's a devoted mother. She's of great value. She's blessed, in other words, because she is a blessing. It is characteristic of who she is. But not only because of who she is, but also because of what she does. Because one flows from the other. Yes, other women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Emphasizing the person, not what they have done. But nonetheless... This person who surpasses them all does excellently. It wouldn't make sense if the woman who surpasses these excellent women doesn't do as excellently as these excellent women, does it? So, so throughout the text, really, um, an emphasis of this passage is what she does. The foundation is there in verse 10, an excellent wife who can find far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will have no lack of gain. But on that foundation, that critically important aspect of who you are as a woman is built what this woman does. And there, there's three categories that we can uh, go through the text and see that are characteristic of, of her works. She demonstrates commitment is the first one. She demonstrates commitment. Verse 12. She does him good and not harm. Now, let's be honest about this one. Why does he have to say that? There are any number of reasons that, that she could say why this woman does good and not harm to him. But, I mean, it leaves open at least the possibility that she might do him harm, that she could do him harm, that he might deserve harm in some way. He has it coming to him. It's okay. You, you can laugh. She does him good and not harm. All the days of her life. So, so, so things were okay before you got married, when you were dating and things were fun and things were cool. And then, and, and then things got cool in another way as time progressed. You just, you know, you just felt like um, things were cool between the two of you, not in like a hip kind of way, but <laughs> in, 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 in a hmm, we're, we're, we're apart kind of way. Now, this woman, all the days of her life, she does him good and not harm. Seasons change. Phases come and go. Passions rise and fade. 
And although we can't say, because we are bound by time, that the woman, like the word of the Lord, endures forever, we can say the good that she does lasts as long as she's alive and as long as he, or as long as he's alive. One of the two. That's commitment. She's in it for the long haul. She, she's enduring. Things may be difficult. Things may be challenging. But she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Other qualities. She seeks wool and flax. So she's intentional in this uh, commitment with, with willing hands. It describes her as like the ships, verse 14, like the ships of a merchant. That is, she brings, she brings her food from afar. Women, wives, mothers, have you ever traveled further than your husband even thinks is strictly necessary to get a good deal? To, to, to get food from another shop in another place, and that, you know, just a bit, a bit out of it. That's a characteristic I've seen in many women, not all, but they'll, they'll go to lengths to provide for their family. They'll, they'll go the distance to get what their family needs. That's demonstrating commitment. She rises while it is yet night. And, 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 and so that's to say in our terms, early, early morning. This wife and this mother is busy about the house, getting things ready for the day. That might be your life. And there are others who are like, oh no, that's not going to be my life. I'm not like that. They're going to operate. My world is not going to revolve around my children. I'm talking about the single and childless women at the moment. You know, my, the, ch the child is going to revolve around me. Not me around the child. They're going to learn that really early. And then, of course, reality will kick in. And that's not how it works. Because you do have to feed the baby when the baby needs to be fed. At 3 in the morning. And then again at 5.30. And then again at 7. She rises while it's yet night. She provides. You say, "Oh well, once they get to, to to primary school, you know, then they're off of my hands. Who's going to clean their clean their clothes? Who's going to prepare their food? Who's going to sit, make them ready and send them out? Those are responsibilities that you have taken upon yourself as a mother. Now, I'm not letting fathers off the hook either." Father's Day is around the corner. It would be unfair of me to, to speak on Mother's Day about mothers and not give you something to take away on Father's Day. But this woman is committed to her family. She doesn't begrudge any of this. She's not, oh, you know. Now, you will feel that way. There are moments when you will Live that way. You will act that way. You will, that's going to happen. It's a fallen, sinful world. Right? But, but you're committed. You still do it. And sometimes, with the grace of God, you even do it with a good attitude in your heart. Because you love your family. Is all that making sense? I, I, I know as 
someone who's not a mother <laughs> and never will be in the providence of God, um, I, I, there's only so much I can say about that, probably. But God's Word is sufficient. And we have a message from a woman here today in God's Word communicating to us sufficient truth that I hope helps you and ministers to you. There's so much said that we could say it's repetitive in some way. Her lamp doesn't go out at night. Why? So she's getting up while it's still night, but her lamp never went out in the first place. Because she's committed. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. That is, she's working. She's working with this woman is sewing. That's something that's part of her trade. That's something she does. Um, we, we, we see it throughout this passage that she demonstrates commitment. But not only does she demonstrate commitment, she demonstrates care. In other words, her commitment is with a purpose. It, it, and that commitment is not commitment to my agenda. That commitment is commitment to the care of my household. There is a difference. You can be committed to yourself. You can be committed to what you had in mind for your day, your time, your space, your plan for life. But when God has a plan to make you a wife and a mother... You are captivated by a higher commitment to care for the family God has entrusted to you. It's a great responsibility. It is an honor and a privilege. And this woman rises to it. We read that she provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Verse 15. So those who are, um, uh, th those who are her children, her, uh, the, of course her husband as well, and those who are under her employment who she looks after in other ways, even if she didn't give birth to them. She provides food. She, verse 20, says she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. And so she's not just absorbed with her own family even, but she's not insular looking at her own family and what we need and what we do, but she's outward looking as a model of service in the community and the world. And I know it can be very hard for, for, for you, mothers, your hands are full. And you, you, you might feel like you, know, you have enough going on in your life that all you can do is you can serve your, your, your husband and child. Certainly don't do less than that. Okay? But God calls you even to more. In fact, it's not so much God calls you to more. God compels you as a woman of noble character and devotion to more. Indeed, God calls all of us to this. To open our hands with generosity. Especially to those who are in need. She provides clothing for her household. All of her household are clothed in scarlet. So she, she provides not only clothing, but Good clothing, quality clothing, and she makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. She, she, she comports herself well. She, she's a decent, tidy, orderly woman. And um, she, she look, not only does she look after her, her household, she looks after herself, and she looks after her children and her husband. And she's, she's a very caring woman. It's characteristic of her. She makes linen, linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. She's 
Her care is demonstrated in her industry. And, and men, on this note, don't have some sort of misplaced understanding of, of what scriptures teach about um, uh, male and female roles that, that squashes your wife's industrious spirit. You've totally misunderstood things. I mean, you can talk about the Proverbs 31 woman, and then they get a woman who has some business acumen, maybe more than the, the man, and they suddenly feel threatened by that. Stop. It's nonsense. You're blessed if she has that. And women, I'm not, if, I'm not saying if you don't have business acumen that you need to, like, you know, go to school. But um, I, I'm, I'm saying that you have innate, godly given, divinely ordained creativity. Use it. Don't be derailed. Being a wife and being a mother need not derail that. In fact, this woman's industriousness is completely attached to that. She is a wife and a mother and industrious together. Her industry is a part of what ministers to her family. And her family rise up and call her blessed in part because of her industry. I hope I'm making sense on that. I think there's some unhelpful subcultural elements that have um, sometimes um, crept into uh, what is actually a biblical view of womanhood. We need to be careful about that. She demonstrates confidence. In all of this, you know, you can have a committed woman and you can have a careful woman but she's so committed and she's so careful that there's like an abundance of caution. And it's more than an abundance of caution. It's an anxiety. It's a fear. You're, you're anxious. You're fearful for your household. You're worried for your husband. You're anxious about your child. The child that you, you, you have seated next to you. The child that you carry. You're worried about the child. Sisters, don't be afraid. Don't worry. This woman not only demonstrates commitment, not only demonstrates care, she demonstrates confidence. And I'm going to get in a minute to why she is so confident that will hopefully instill within you a courage and a confidence, whatever's going on in the world around you. But she, her, her confidence is, is seen in, like for example, talking about her industry. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. The woman looks at a field, thinks about it, and buys it. Why? Because... God gave you rational thought processes. And again, I must address the men on that. Women have a brain. They can think. Let them. You'll be blessed. She, she considers a field and she buys it. 
thought, well, shouldn't she have you included me in that? That, that, that's a big decision. Well, in this passage, she doesn't. So I'm going to interpret Scripture with Scripture, and I'm just going to say there are times when yes, and there are times when no, but what she's doing is for her family. And there's no doubt about it. Don't be foolish or stupid. But a godly woman, a devoted woman, um, the, the, the type of woman that's being described here, the heart of her husband trusts her. Maybe it's about what he sows into her life. Does he sow trust into her life? And she demonstrates the fruit of trustworthiness. I don't know why everyone got quiet all of a sudden, but we'll, we'll progress. She, she thinks, she acts and she does so within the boundaries of this, this beautiful character that God has given her. Um, uh, she, she dresses herself, well, sorry, first, before that, she buys this field and then she does something with it. She, she, she not only buys the field, she invests in it. So it's not a bauble, some sort of careless expense that she's thrown money away on, but she's investing in her family. She plants a vineyard. Vineyards will be there for generations. So she's not only investing in herself and her family immediately, but she's thinking toward the future generationally, making an investment that will bless people for ages to come, even after her name is long forgotten. That's a fine woman. She dresses herself with strength. She makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. So again, here she is thinking, and she's like, I can do something. I'm creative. I can use my mind. I can use my hands. I can, I can, I can make money off of this. And she does. Because that's when we see her lamp doesn't go out at night because she's staying up late and she's working on it and she's putting her hands to the, the distaff and the spindle and she's realizing, ah, I'm excited about this. She makes linen garments and she sells them. Her merchandise is profitable. She brings in more money for her family, more blessings for her family, more provision for her family. That's a great thing, a beautiful thing. But it comes out of a woman who her husband has sown trust into who has instilled within her confidence, who has not diminished her confidence, but has sought to build her up, to elevate her, to strengthen her, to encourage her, to bless her, and her, she's a blessing. And then her husband rises up, and the children, and they all call her blessed. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. So men, I don't know, but if ever you, you, you're like, oh, my wife's really anxious. She's really worried. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it's your fault, but I'm saying maybe you can do something to help that. You can trust her. You can encourage her. You can motivate her 
you can help her along. You know, single sisters, when you're discouraged, talk to someone about it. Don't wait other people for them to talk to you about it. I'm sure you can see someone who's struggling or who's timid or who's holding back, who has gifting. All I know is I can speak for myself. I can't speak for everyone else. I do what I can to let people serve, to say, you, you're good at this. Do it. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone responds to that. I wish they did. But each and every one of you are gifted by God for service. And if God has gifted you for service, He has empowered you by the Holy Spirit for excellence therein. What's true in the church must be true in the home. Be strengthened. Be dignified. And don't worry. To laugh at the time to come is to say, tomorrow, I'm ready for it. Next year, I don't know what it brings, but I'm ready for it. Eternity, I'm ready for it. And that brings us around to our final point. It's not only because of who she is. It's not only because of what she does. It is because of how she is who she is and how she does what she does. How is she the way she is? How does she do what she does? It is simply this, verse 30. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, I have every confidence that this was a beautiful woman. There's something about what is within a person that radiates outside. I have every confidence that this was a charming woman. There is something simply about her dignity and her intrinsic value and worth and the way she comports herself in her daily life that is charming. And lest anyone be confused at this point, I'm not even talking about her personal physical appearance or physique. I didn't say appearance. I didn't say attractiveness. I said beauty and charm. But she probably was pretty good looking as well. It's not her beauty, though. Come on, guys. You think this woman is successful because she was beautiful? Is that the only way a woman can succeed? Is that the only way a woman can be a, a, a good wife and a good mother because she's beautiful? Is that the only way a woman can be a good business woman like this woman was? Can succeed in selling things? Is it her charm? Did she do something with her eyes maybe? You know, there are some tricks that people play, but come on. No, this woman, she is who she is, and she does what she does with excellence because she fears the Lord. She's found her meaning, her satisfaction, her definition before she was a mother, before she was a wife. She found it in God. It is the Lord and her fear of the Lord, which is a holy reverence and amazement by God. What I began the service with, amazement 
by God that powers who she is and powers what she does. She stands before the Lord accountable to Him. And because she is known and loved by the Lord, and because she is blessed by the Lord, gifted by the Lord, helped by the Lord, she is who she is, does what she does, and nothing can hold her back from fulfilling what the Lord has given her to do as a godly wife and mother. Yes, God has instilled um, uh, order. And yes, God has put boundaries. And yes, God has... That, absolutely. But when you, are, when, when you are within the boundaries of God, there's no ceiling. God is for you. God is with you. You, you, you can do all of the active stuff this woman does. You can pour yourself 100% into nurturing your child. Seeing after the needs of your husband. You can be at home. As is most often the case in this city. You can find other means of supporting your family and supplementing the income of the family. In fact, even there are plenty of women who may end up making more than their husband in this environment sometimes. The point is not all of this surface level stuff. The point is how. Do you fear the Lord? Do you honor God? When you fear the Lord and honor God, then, you know, the, 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 we don't really have to caveat everything people do. Like, with, oh, but remember this. I think one of the reasons guys respond to stuff like this is because we're, we have a little bit of Adam in us. And, you know, we're, there's traumatic flashbacks to, um, to Eve, you know, in the garden with the fruit. And so it's kind of like, oh, we can't, we can't go there again. She's considering buying a field. What if that field is like another tree of knowledge of good and evil for my family? You know, the trust is totally broken down. But the scriptures here present us with a woman who's trustworthy. And she is that because she knows the Lord and she fears the Lord. Did you marry a Christian woman? Guys who are married? Single guys, are you looking for a Christian woman? I'm not just saying someone who ticks the box on the census this week. By all means, I hope you do tick that box. That you claim your identity in Christ. But whatever. You know, you, you, need, to, you need to be following Jesus. And you need to be finding, if you're going to marry, finding people who follow Jesus. So that they can trust you and you can trust them. This woman stands in awe of the Lord her God. She's committed to serving the Lord. And so she serves her husband and children. She's committed to serving by the power of the Lord. And, and, and she's committed to exemplifying and typifying the fear of the Lord through who she is and what she does. She is indeed to be praised. But such a woman is how she is because she does not look for praise. 
but she seeks to give God the praise. And that's a part of what makes her beautiful. Now, I'm very conscious this morning that maybe, I don't know, we read a passage like this and it can become a do this, don't do that type of thing. And it becomes, you know, while all of these principles are great, it, it can become a, a, a rod for your back, a burden. Maybe you realize there are ways in which you don't actually measure up to this lady. Remember, it does begin, an excellent wife who can find. And then it describes this woman that seems impossible to find. Men, for a long time, I've seen guys who, one, they're not all that themselves, but they're looking for this, this sort of woman, and they're not finding her, and they're just sort of mopey about it. And, um, you know, it, they're all that. And, you know, they, but they can't find a woman to, to, to meet their expectations. Proverbs 31 is a tick list for them. You, you've misunderstood the passage. You're misapplying it. Mothers, wives, you, you might feel, and I hope not, not on Mother's Day for crying out loud, you might feel depressed. Because, oh, I've just, I, I'm not this. Don't measure up. I've failed in so many ways. I've already ruined it. I'm not trustworthy like this. I'm not devoted like this. I'm not committed like this. Ah, come on now. Who did Jesus love? Talk to me about Jesus' wife and who she is and what she's like. This is actually before the Americanisms crept into our culture. Mothering Sunday is the technical term. I knew Fiona would appreciate that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a nod of affirmation that it's Mothering Sunday, not Mother's Day. Most of you don't know probably what Mothering Sunday was all about. It actually wasn't about paying tribute to your mom. It was about going back to the church where you were baptized. Your mother church. The church that mothered you. The church that nurtured you in the word of God. The church that equipped you and trained you. The church in which you were born again. That's what it was. It was a time to go back and visit that place if you'd moved on. It's a very ancient day. And um, uh, uh, in medieval times uh, in this country was what people did on this day. Okay? So it's fitting that I close not with talking about you as individual women, but I talk about the church, the bride of Christ. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. And with his blood he bought her and for her life he died. The church is compared to a woman enslaved. Similarly, 
to Israel in the book of Hosea compared to an adulterous woman who abandoned her husband and ended up a slave in the market and her husband had to go and buy her. A dishonorable woman, a wicked woman, a woman characterized not so much by her beauty but by her brokenness. While we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. He comes to us having loved us to purchase us, to ransom us, to redeem us, and to restore us. And He must, we're told in, in, in the, another great passage for Christian men and women in Ephesians chapter 5, He must wash us with the water of the Word. Why? Because the church is dirty. The church is not dignified. The church is not glorious. The church is not beautiful and charming or honorable or trustworthy in itself. The church is characterized first, just in ourselves as individuals and collectively, as people characterized by sin. But in Jesus, we are characterized by our Savior. We're cleansed. We're washed. We're renewed. We're sanctified day by day. Mums, wives, women. Jesus came to someone who wasn't an excellent wife. But by His grace, because of His goodness, He is making us an excellent wife. And He'll make you one too if you trust in Him. Are you a part of the bride of Christ? Are you a part of the body of Christ? He'll, he'll make you an excellent wife. We come to um, Proverbs 31 thinking this is a starting place. It's a stopping place. Who wrote Proverbs 31? Oh, it says the words of King Lemuel. Who's King Lemuel? Do some research. And you'll learn that it was in all likelihood a maternal, affectionate nickname for Solomon. Who was his mom? Bathsheba. And however you interpret all the, what was going on in the life of Bathsheba, here's a woman who spent a night with the king and got pregnant and then was complicit in the attempt to cover that up her husband coming home and not going to see her. And then the man she slept with arranging for his murder. Behind the scenes, she was pulling all sorts of political strings. We see it. She's talking. She's trying to get Solomon in there as king. Some of that stuff was a bit dodgy if you read the story. But here this woman in all of her brokenness, points her son to a woman of great blessedness. It's not, a start, it's not a starting place. But by God's grace, according to the power of the Holy Spirit, for His glory, for each of you, it will be a stopping place. All of us will be beautified before God. Perfect, righteous, glorious, 
a resplendent bride. You who are wives, mothers, you'll be blessed and a blessing as you fear the Lord and as you trust in Jesus Christ. Amen.